Hello. Hi. You are tuned into Synchronicity Podcast. Welcome back. We are here to serve, guide, and navigate these crazy waters that we call life together here at Synchronicity. Uh, we are Nicole and Megan. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah. Where it's always a wild, wild adventure. <laughs> We always talk about what's new in the world, kind of what we're curious about, what we're fearful of, like collecting information and hearing just the world around us and kind of what's going on. So we're in it with you. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, if you are an OG, welcome back. If you are a new person and you haven't listened to us before, make sure that you subscribe so that you get notifications when we decide to uh upload a new podcast because we're both Gemini's so it's never regular so if you subscribe then you'll know when we drop them we're getting better <laughs> yeah, but thanks. welcome and thanks for being here we're so excited to have Jesse on our podcast today she uh, we talked to her earlier and it is already like already flowing so I'm just going to turn it right over to Jesse and let her introduce herself to you and then um, get ready for a great conversation Awesome. Thank you, ladies. I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Um, again, as you said, my name is Jesse Torres, and I am a peak performance coach. Um, and it's kind of tough because those are so many labels nowadays, you know, but I really see myself as someone who helps walk somebody through rewriting their story so that they find the power within versus connect to the pain of their past. And um, I'm here to bring a different side of the story. So I've worked for... Um, you know, having gone through my own trials and tribulations in my abuse with my father, my first 18 years, and then right into a marriage of abuse for the next 18 years um, was really my education. I've worked for, you know, uh, I got my a tra coaches training a certification. I worked for Tony Robbins for seven years as a, as a coach. I've gone to India for meditation instructor. I've got heart math trainer. I've got all these things like, you know, and domestic violence counselor. But honestly, what really, what I do today that helps transform lives has to do with my entire journey, the divine choreography, as my daughter calls it, of our lives. And if I can go and I can see that every part of my journey was divinely woven on my behalf for me, not to me, I can start to rewrite what it was that was created in those moments when my knees hit the floor. And sometimes that's the moment we realize what we've got, because sometimes we think we can't go any further. And then we go that one step further when we've been sucker punched. Right. So I'm here to bring the message that we don't have to wait till our knees hit the floor. We could actually access our power now so that we don't have to start realizing sometimes we, you know, polarity, we have to draw in drama in order to show ourselves how we can get through it. It's just like, we don't have to do that anymore. There's enough density in the world. So for the last 20 years, I've been, I've been, I've been doing coaching. I've been doing, um, plant medicine, I think, uh, working as an apprentice with a shaman for a year, um, and, and doing plant medicine almost every weekend. Um, not so much so, so I can give medicine, but more so to be a healer amongst others, um, has been one of the greatest parts of my own expansion, the ability to be witness to this Jesse <laughs> in this journey from a different set of lenses, the lenses of God, you know, creation, whatever you believe. Um, I, I got the ability to connect with that profound omnipotence uh, so much so that what I knew is if I can feel that feeling, I'm meant to bring it to the world. So my journey and my outcome is to bring an ayahuasca experience without the medicine. Um, because if what the medicine does is help you really connect to the beauty of the divinity that you are and the acceptance of your being, then why can't we do that now? And so that's my goal. And that's what um, I believe my purpose is. At the end of the day, I'd love to build an army of angels, people that have re realized their potential so much so that all they want to do is give back to the world. That's, that's me in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow, that's beautiful. The divine choreography, I think, is one of like the most beautiful two words put together. Like when you said that, I was like, wow, that is like truly like our path, right? Like we're truly on the divine, a divine path, a divine choreograph for us individually. And wow. Well, and, and there's so many people that what I love about that is like, like life is happening to me. Um, right. And you said something earlier that I would like you to say again, because it wasn't recorded. Um, but you were talking about victimhood and all of that. And I would love for you to expand on 
your take on life happening to me, like so many people. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, working from, you know, people's trauma or their pain, um, you know, trauma, Trauma is something I want to define a little bit before I dive in, because sometimes people think, well, I don't have any trauma. I had good parents. I had a good upbringing and, you know, it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm great, you know, and I, I can appreciate that. Okay. And trauma does not have to be defined by, you know, a, a grand thing such as, you know, sexual abuse or, you know, physical abuse or anything like that. You can be a mom who is, you know, shopping with her five-year-old, five-year-olds playing with some toys in the aisle. You go to the end of the aisle to grab something. You can see him, but he can't see you. He stands up, doesn't see you, and he anchors abandonment, right? In that moment, that that terrifying feeling, it's just a millisecond. The moment he goes, mom, she heard, and she now is there. But that moment right there that he thought she was gone and he was left can now start to make him be a little bit more scared when they go to the grocery store. It can start to make him feel like, you know, don't ever leave me. You know what I mean? Again, it's an unconscious conditioning that we know nothing about. We're not given a rule book when we're born. We are meaning making machines. We start to make meaning about all of our experiences. So part of what happens, we live in a victim society. You know, it's like the sicker we are, the more the pharmaceuticals can get their, their, you know, their money. Now, not to go down that political road, however, <laughs> If you start to look at, you know, the standard, how often do we watch the news and get infiltrated with man's inhumanity to man, mm-hmm. right? My mom calls me after watching the news and she says, you know, Jesse, the world is so terrible. And I said, mom, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. I said, I know that there are terrible things happening, but there's also a lot of good in the world. And I believe light is still winning. You know, but the news feeds us the bad stuff. And maybe you get a 30 second reel of a random act of kindness at the end, right? Maybe. But for the most part, if you Google random acts of kindness, just get your tissue box, sit there and watch that people, there is still more good than bad. So, but we don't know that because it's not what we're fed. So when you think about our journey, our lifetime and whatever trauma we've experienced, maybe it was a simple thing that the teacher said. Like my daughter, when she was in fourth grade, my daughter's very, she's like one of these highly sensitive, emotional beings. I mean, she just thought so deeply. And so when she wrote, she wrote very deeply. And her father was an ex-military and cop and she would worry about the soldiers. I mean, she just goes deep and he just basically made a comment about if she keeps this up, she's going to have a hard life. Just a teacher saying something like that starts to embed that there's something wrong with her way of thinking. There's something wrong with her way of feeling. So I really want to emphasize that trauma doesn't have to be something gigantic. It can be, but we start to create meaning out of everything that happens to us in the moment. A child that's sexually abused. I had sexual abuse with my father my my entire life. I don't have a memory of it without. And, you know, in that moment, this happened, doesn't make it right but I defined who I now was based on what happened. I am now gross and icky and nobody's ever going to love me because who wants somebody I'm damaged goods, right? Because that's what society teaches us. You know, now you're kind of who wants somebody who her father's touched her that way. Right. And so my dad behaved, but I made the meaning. And again, it's an unconscious thing. I didn't know better, but that's now what I started to believe. So I started to draw in to my life things that would perpetuate my belief that I was something to be ashamed of. I mean, if I left the light on all night because I forgot to turn it off, I would shame myself around that and how stupid I was and how I wasted money and why can't I be more considerate? And I should have, I mean, on and on and on and on. And so what I'm here to, to claim is that no matter what happened to you, no matter what it was, there is another story that we're not witness to. And I say this all the time, If you don't look for the gift in your pain, you will only remember the pain. So if, for instance, myself, I had, um, my dad would come in in the middle of the night. So as a kid, I, I started to build traps, right? So I would put Coke can, something that would fall when he comes stumbling into my room, never stopped him, but somehow it made me feel better. So uh, I can look at this little girl who had to build traps and say, oh my God, how awful. Yes, true. And what a resourceful little kid. How creative was she that she started to build these traps, right? Like there's another story. 
And so what I invite is that rather than seeing the victim in the story, that you start looking at the brave, courageous little girl that got back up, right? She still chose to be kind. She still chose to give. She still chose to have good manners. She still chose, like, there's another story that we're missing. And so when people say, you know, your past doesn't define you, I think it can in a very positive way. Because if you're still here, if you're alive, and if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're someone that wants to grow, that wants to advance. If that's the case, then there's a beautiful soul that's listening right now that had a terrible thing happened. That person chose to get back up, no matter what it was. Like I love the uh, poem Invictus, where it says, bloodied and bludgeoned, but unbowed. Right? It's like, so we go through our stuff. How can we rewrite the story? Not even rewrite it, be witness to the other story because it's the truth. I can look at a little girl that was sad and had to build traps or I could look at the little girl that was creative and resourceful. Both are true. One makes me feel victim, makes me feel sad about myself, makes me allow all my inhibitions and all the things I didn't accomplish, I can blame on the thing. I'm not successful because don't you know, I'm gross now because this has happened to me and we don't even realize we do it. But now I see a beautiful little girl. I used to condemn myself. I used to say, why didn't you kick? Why didn't you scream? Why didn't you pee yourself? Why didn't you? I mean, I, I, we grow up and we get all smart and then we judge ourselves for not doing it differently. And it's so ridiculous. Now, when I think of the Jesse in the journey, I fall in love with her because she's convicted now to help change the world. And I couldn't be that without all of my experiences. Well, and it's so powerful. I mean, and what do you think, you know, the biggest thing people probably misunderstand about going through a different, a difficult circumstance or a difficult situation? Like, what do you think that like most people struggle with or misunderstand? Well, their fear is that, um, it's like they can't let it go. Like forgiveness is a big part. And they're like, I could never forgive. Like, I remember I posted something about my dad um, after he passed away. And and one of my clients actually went on there and said, I can't believe that you would post this about your father. I hate him for what he did to you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get it. But that hatred does not serve anything. It only hurts me. I'm the one suffering. I'm the one making meaning about it. And so sometimes people get stuck in the, it's almost like if I forgive that, I justify the behavior. And that's not the truth. I don't justify what happened, but I can find forgiveness in my heart. So that when my father, you know, two weeks before he died, he had a little bit of dementia going on and um, he had a lucid moment and I happened to be with him alone. And he said, you know, I really wish I could have been the father you deserved. And without hesitation in that moment, I was able to say, dad, you were perfect. You were exactly who I needed you to be. So I could be who I am today. And, and I meant that. And I knew that that lifted his spirit and, and allowed him to rest because he was in so much self-hatred. Well, and that just, I mean, the power of forgiveness in that, I mean, that is so powerful to talk about, you know, power, I think forgiveness is one of the most underestimated powers I think humans have. I think so many, like you said, it's, it's almost looked at as weakness, but it's so powerful. It's actually a superpower. Because it really is. If it you is. can forgive the person that has hurt you the most, you're the light at the end of the tunnel that they've never had. It's, it's the, it's the North star. It's the, and we see this in astrology and I see this in everything shadow and gifts exist in the same plane but it's exactly what you're saying is completely in alignment with everything that I believe. And it's like, when you're able to step into your light and forgive everything that's been done and understand that it's for the greatest good. And it was, if you believe in reincarnation and things like that, that it was actually a lot of it was planned beforehand. So just like what you're saying, you can be that warrior angel, whatever that the world needs right now. And it's actually your armor, right. To be able to take on the world, because having something like that happen to you, I say it makes you unfuckable with, it's like, what can you not forgive after that? What, what can you not hold space for what people misunderstand so much? And I, I love that you were able to do that for your dad. Like what a profound story, because if you can forgive that, 
I mean, again, how much that even lights up my world because, you know, there's, um, you know, childhood abuse, not in Nicole and I, but, you know, in our family, and there's still a lot of hatred around it. And those people have not been able to forgive. And, you know, it's not my place to tell somebody when they're ready to do that, but it's, it's, I can see how much that would just be, you're, you're, you're embodying your gifts when you're able to accept and move through. And I, I, I really appreciate that in a person because you've, you've literally, that's a vibration that, um, all of us strive to have. Yeah. And it's not always easy. You know, um, I say one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself. And I was fortunate enough to where my father had remorse, but one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is forgiving the person that never gave you the apology. That's the toughest thing, right? Because again, you don't do it for them. You do it for you because it releases you. And I also had a brother that was murdered when I was 28 years old. He was 29. We were like 15 months apart. And throughout my upbringing, you know, he was my only safety when with my dad, like he, I was a scaredy cat. So he would hold my hand, you know, um, when the neighbors upstairs would argue and then he'd start to fall asleep and his hand would start to fall and I'd freak out. So then I go crawl in bed with him. And he's just always, always just the greatest big brother. And he was murdered senselessly. Uh, he was dating a girl for like a month and she had an ex that he didn't know anything about that was hyper jealous and wanted her back and they were engaged apparently. And she was like, Nope, I found somebody better than you. He's better in bed. He smells better than you. And just literally pretty much loaded this guy's gun. Um, so he created a ruse that his car was broken down, asked my brother for a ride. My brother shrugged his shoulders, um, gave him a ride, took him three blocks in a residential area and shot him. And back then, if you would have asked me to look for the gift, I might've punched you in the nose. Back then I was, I was furious. Um, I turned my back on God. I, I flipped God off, basically said, how, how do I know? How do I know there's anything? How do I know you're not just buried six feet under with worms crawling out of your eye hole? That's literally what I, I thought I was so angry. Like, and what I realized again, um, I love Byron Katie, who, who says, you know, if you walk around saying that shouldn't have happened, she says it should have, cause it did. And when you argue with reality, you lose hundred percent of the time. So I can't look at that. If I'm, if I'm going to have faith in my creator universe, whatever, and I believe that there's something great, greater than me that is omnipotent and full of love, then I've got to know that there's a purpose in all of it even the death of my brother, when in that moment, I couldn't find purpose. I couldn't find a reason why that would be a good in that. But what I took and and in that moment was recognizing that every single time I serve somebody in grief, I honor my brother's life. You know, it wasn't until two years later after uh, he passed that I got a box of his things and I was looking through it. And this was like, I was knee deep in my abusive marriage. I knew nothing about personal development. And in this box was books, codependent, no more, um, uh, therapy, um, notes from his therapy sessions. And I was learning all these things about him and I heard his voice loud and clear. And he said, justice is for you to do, not me. And I didn't know what that meant in that moment, but it never left me. And I believe that he passed me the baton. You see, I was very comfortable in my brother's shadow. In school, nobody knew me as Jesse. They knew me as Oscar's little sister. And I was really comfortable there. <laughs> and I know that God had other plans for me. So every time I serve somebody, every time I help somebody, I feel like I'm honoring the gift of having him in my life. And I believe, you know, what you were saying, you know, earlier, uh, Megan, is that if we look at this journey as a soul partnership with every human being, we start to see through different set of lenses. I'll paraphrase this. It's, um, are you guys familiar with Neil Donald Walsh? Yeah, he wrote the Conversations with God. I haven't read all of his books. Um, I picked one up at a retreat once and it was pretty cool, but I have read one, which was a children's book he wrote and it's called The Little Soul in the Sun. And I've since bought it and given it to a lot of my coach friends. Um, 
But basically the story is so beautiful because the little soul goes to God and basically says, I'm ready to experience life on earth. Like, okay, awesome. Let's get you ready. And then God says, but wait, if you're going to experience life on earth, what do you want to experience it as? And so the soul says, little soul says, I want to experience it as forgiveness. It's like, okay, cool. Let's get you ready. So then he says, but wait, if you're going to experience life as forgiveness, well, you're going to need something to forgive. And so another little soul pops in, raises her hand and says, I'll be that for you. And he's like, why would you do that for me? You're so beautiful. Your light is so bright. And she says, because I love you. But there's one favor I ask. And he's like, anything, I'll give you anything. And she says, I'm going to be so good at helping you find forgiveness that I might forget how bright my light is. And I'm going to need you to remember. So if you look at our journey as every soul, my father, my ex, we're all little souls that joined this contract with us to be whatever the adversity or the pain so that we can be witness to our light. Then they were all on a soul partnership with me. I have gratitude for every part of my journey and I'm grateful to them because again, we don't, the depth of our darkness is converse to the height of our light. And if we're able to recognize that and seek the light, then we can affect change in the world because kindness saved my life. And I believe sometimes, especially when the world is so diverse and it's so full of density, we feel powerless to make a difference. And I can tell you right now that you can make a difference in someone's life by just being kind. That kindness can literally short circuit somebody like it did me. Because at the end of my marriage, I was very apathetic and was hoping somebody would blow the red light. The only reason I didn't take my own life was because of my three kids. In that moment, when someone acted kind, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know to call it kindness. All I knew is, what is this? Like, you know, my father told me that everybody wants to get in your pants, Jesse, so don't trust anybody. My ex told me just people subconsciously want to break up a good thing. So don't talk about our marriage to anybody. And so everybody was bad before they were good. And when these people behaved in a kind way, it short circuited me. I was like, what in the heck? I don't know what this is, but this feeling, if this feeling is available, then life is worth living. And that gave me the courage to change and get a divorce and change the trajectory of my life. So don't underestimate the power that each and every one of us has just to be kind because you never know what chaos is going on in someone's life. It's the first time I've ever like cried on the podcast. I know. I'm like, wow, that's, it's so powerful. Like, I mean, your, your, and I don't want to say your pain, but it is your pain because it's made your story. Right. And it's so much, you have had to endure so much of that in order to really understand kindness and forgiveness and all of that. And I would love to know the moment in your life where you really were like, I have to turn it around. like, and you said like you had gone, you know, you had filed for divorce and stuff like that. But prior to that, you didn't understand what kindness was. So do you remember that pivotal moment where it was just like, I have the power and I want to step into this. Honestly, it came from survival. Um, When um, I asked for a divorce, my husband was quite furious. And other than my brother's death, it was probably one of the worst times of my life um, because he was telling lies about me and, and I was very introverted. I, lived in shame. So I I looked down at the ground. I didn't make eye contact because if I did and we made friends and he'd get mad and he'd get in a fight. And so it was just because he was very jealous. And so I didn't know who I was at 38 years old, three kids. I didn't know who the flip I was. And I had to find a place for my kids and I to, to live. He walked away from everything. The house foreclosed, took the cars to the dealer, said, I'm not paying. I was upside down in a hundred million ways. But what it did is it created an insatiable hunger to understand humanity. I never would read. I'd always fall asleep. I started picking up books. I started going to workshops, seminars, whatever I could do to understand humanity. And one of the the first book I read was The Unmistakable Touch of Grace by Cheryl Richardson. And one of the other ones that was very impactful was The People of the Lie, um, which it said the people of the lie understanding human evil. It was the first time I knew what narcissism meant. I I, honestly, I was so kept, like I didn't know anything. And so 
when my divorce was so volatile and when it was in total survival of having, trying to find a place for my kids and I to live, I have twin sons and they were 17 at the time in their senior year. My daughter was 15. I was just like in that desperation. And in that desperation, again, you find out what you're made of. You know, I, I would try to find a place for us to live. I wanted to keep them in the same school district because I wanted them to graduate, but I couldn't afford anything in the area we lived. I made 30,000 a year back then. Um, you know, and so I was just in that desperation and I would go to homes and the homes looked like somebody like changed the oil in the living room. Like they were filthy and it was gross. And, and I, I was just devastated. We lived in a 3000 square foot home that was, you know, you know, personally built. And my, my, my home was the football movie night. You know, my, my sons were in football and my son was dating a girl on the dance team. And so we were the movie night house. And now I'm having to find a place for us to live. And what I remember in those moments as I would have a list of homes I would go see and, and I would literally just ball my eyes. I pull over, ball my eyes out. And then I clean myself up, go to the next house, pull over, ball my eyes out. And what I anchored in that moment is that every time I shed all these tears, I step on them and I walk a little taller and I step on them and I walk a little taller. And it's just this kind of conditioning, you know, it's just right now, it's not forever. It's just right now, it's not forever. And, and repeating these things to keep me in that survival mode. But that's that started my quest right there is understanding, um, you know, and my own therapy and asking my therapist, you know, I want to do what you do, but that's an awful lot of school. And I said, it's going to take some time, you know, and she said, why don't you become a coach? And this was back in 2006, 2005, 2006. Um, I'm like, coach, like soccer coach. Like I know, <laughs> you know, so I started looking what it was and um, I loved it. And I went through co getting certified through coaches training Institute. And when you go through that kind of training, you go through it yourself, you know? So there's been a healing process throughout the entire journey of my own discovery of trying to understand why my dad did what he did, why my mom ignored it when I tried to tell her at 16 why my husband did what he did and why I allowed it. And that, that I say that survival in that, in that moment when I, I was on my own trying to find a place for us to live. When I think it's super important to touch the, the you allowed it right. And at those moments where you really step in and, or you step into owning your own story and you stepped out of victimhood because it's what did what do I take responsibility for? Now I have all of the power in myself and now it's time to step into my story. How do I help others and my healing and my journey, right? And I would love to know more about how you, you said you had talked to a therapist and you worked through a lot of that going through a coaching program and all that stuff. When did you get um, introduced to plant medicine? And, you know, if you would love, I would love to like hear your story and expand more on that. Sure. So I'm trying to think of exactly the year it was. I want to say it was like 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Um, and honestly, my kids, um, the evolution of our relationship is, is so beautiful. Honestly, if I die tomorrow, I can say that I'm, I'm happy in, in the relationship that I have with my kids. And in the moment of the divorce, it was very tumultuous. They were so hurt. We were all hurt. And so I didn't know, and he was filling them with so much lies. I didn't know what they were going to believe. And, and now, and so my, my sons are, are sound healers and living in the, um, community of, um, Encinitas, California, which is very spiritual. Um, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda has a self-realization center there. Um, um, Deepak Chopra had a Chopra center. Um, <clears throat> I lived there for a while and they were very much into, um, you know, sound healings and, and, and working at festivals and doing that kind of stuff. And so more and more in that community there, there's just a lot of people that were into this kind of stuff. And they connected me with a friend of theirs who had been talking about it. And I'm always like, you know, looking for that spiritual connection. I'm always looking for that expansion. And I'd done a lot of personal development up, you know, from that point. And I'm like, you know, what is this? And where does it, what does it do? And where do you go? And, and, and the mystical too, because I'm just like, I know there's something greater. I don't know what it is. I was raised about Catholic. I was in a Christian. I don't, I consider myself spiritual, not religious. And I know there's something greater than us. And you're telling me this thing can help me connect to that. 
Like, tell me more. And I remember <laughs> when I was talking to this young guy, he had done it 15 times. And I'm like, well, why do you need to do it more than once? I mean, it's just, you're just going to feel that feeling and then you're done, right? Why do you have to keep going? I didn't understand it at all. And, um, and so then I was compelled to try it and he connected me with his shaman and, um, and I did it and all me and my kids have all done it. Um, one of the most beautiful moments was when we were all together and we did it together. We all kind of done either. I did it with my daughter or I did it with one of my sons. It was kind of all spread out, but the one time we did it together was magical. Um, and it's changed everything. It's changed everything out of all the training that I have. I think plant medicine for me, and, and again, that connectedness to the omnipotence of God, the, the unconditional love, the total acceptance. Um, it's almost like I, I also had, um, I went on a mad uh, quest to understand or, or actually an obsession of hearing people with NDEs, near-death experiences. And I love hearing the stories and how crazy they are. <laughs> you guys too, right? It's um, so powerful. Oh, and, and, and how uncanny the stories are so similar and yes. people that don't know each other. Right. And that, and I believe that I've experienced that in plant medicine. I've experienced that energy, that connection, that like, where you almost don't feel worthy. Like, what is this? Like, I remember the first words that came out of my mouth and it was in ayahuasca and hape. So it was like second cup, ayahuasca, uh, hape. And in that moment, I, literally felt unworthy the words came out like I'm not worthy because I didn't know what to do with this frequency that was so enormous and I knew better so I switched my language to thank you thank you thank you and um again after the, the next day integration I'm like that what I heard was you can feel this always and in knowing that I'm like how, how do I bring that to humanity? Right. Because again, one of the things about people with near death experiences is that they, uh, you know, they're like, I don't want to go back. Right. Because what they feel is, is total acceptance. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Zach Bush, but he tells a story. Um, he was the gentleman that would you know, when someone's at the hospital and they're about to die, he's the one that gets called in and he brings them back to life. And he said, got tired of hearing it. He's like going in there to be the superhero, right? I get to bring you back to life. But after so many of them, so many of them came back and said, why did you do that? Right. And he was like, <laughs> you know, and it's because they had total undeniable acceptance. They didn't have to be anything. And then when they were brought back to the pain body, not only did they now have to experience their pain, but now they had to experience their role. Now I'm the father, I'm the son, I'm the husband, I'm the, you know, all these things and, and the density of, of the weight of that, where when you feel this connection to God, you're, you're literally accepted in all ways. So if our journey on this lifetime is to find that, then that's my mission is how can we come back to the, the beauty of the innocence of a child, the, the divine perfection, right? The moment you took your first breath, you know, I, I was holding my girlfriend's six day old. His name was Timothy and I'm holding him and I'm looking at his little knuckles and I'm like, ah, oh, like divine perfection. Right. And then I thought, what makes us any different? What makes us any different than that divinity? And what I realized, it's just the belief. It's just the belief that we aren't that same divinity that when we took our first breath. So if we can come back to that, that innocence, that purity of spirit and recognize ourselves as that, we start living life totally different. Jesse, you are just like, I, I, know. I don't I'm think I've so ever, the connection is I'm like, oh, I'm like, literally we're having this conversation and I'm listening to you and I'm like fighting back like tears in their good tears, like, because it's so much resonation well, of we, like we just... our own story and like of, you know, like, so our father is nine years sober and he died and he has a very similar story. And he said, like, I, I talked to God, like I, I you know, it, it, he talks about like how powerful that near death experience. I mean, he can't, he, he's now, he's still here with us, but that power, how powerful that moment was in his life. And, you know, he, to this day will say like, I'll never go back. Like I, he hasn't quite touched that. I think moment of realizing like kind of what it was maybe like connecting yeah. it, but it's, 
and it's why we're in the work that we're in is because we put together like, okay, there's all these addicts, you know, 85% of them relapse in the first year and it's over a hundred percent by the time the second year rolls around. But anybody that has a near death experience never goes back to drinking. It changes their physiology forever. And I was like, how do we recreate this? Right. And this is how we found plant medicine. And this is how I became not afraid of psychedelics and everything was because that's how you meet God. And that was the most profound moment for me was we've put God outside of ourselves. And this has caused the biggest problem in humanity is because, and as Dr. Joe Dispenza says, it's like, put the divine within you, you know, and you'll look everywhere else for it. But when you realize it's within, and this is what plant medicine does, or having, you know, this near death experience, you realize it's you that you're not separate from it. And, you know, again, you're saying like everything that we believe. So I'm like sitting over there (laughs) because we, I, I mean, thank you for the work that you do. I mean, it, it is, this is what, you know, it may not be perfect, but to have, I call them light warriors here, like teaching people to do what you're doing. Like, it makes me really just because I believe so much in this. Right. And I'm, like this is our soul's purpose. Like I would give my life for what we're doing. And I think that you're a lot like that. And it's like, you know, I I just find so much gratitude for people that have stepped in, you know, it's like to step in no matter what has happened to you and to be all in and to be here and present and be that light for other people. There's not a higher calling. I agree. Uh, And I just, I love that. It it just makes me really happy because it makes me feel like what we're doing is actually what we should be doing when you see other people also stepping into that. So it, there again, there's just so many synchronicities, which is what our company's <laughs> called. That there's just a lot of, I have so much gratitude for the souls that came here right now because we've had to fight through essentially hell to get to the other side. And, you know, we're meeting more and more people like this. And it's just like, it gives me so much, I don't even like the word hope because I think it, but it gives me so much love, like the highest frequency that is that, you know, we are going to see the other side of this and that, you know, light always does win. And, um, you know, you know, the, the, the divine that is really did send so many strong light workers or warriors to yes. get people to see their own light. Um, and that ju- it just, it just makes me, yeah, I don't know. It's all the feelings. Yes. So I just, yeah. I mean, I, 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 when I meet people like this, it just helps me expand so much and it gives me so much. It's powerful. Well, I'm so grateful to you ladies too, for creating this platform to be able to have these conversations more and more. And I don't, I don't think anything's an accident. If you go to um, spreadboldlove.com, You're going to be blown away about the story, the video in that, um, and also the entire Light Warriors Inc. Um, you said Light Warriors, and I'm like, oh my gosh, um, we're so meant to have met, uh, meant to connect, and meant to spread love around the world. And this was something I also got in ayahuasca. Um, I had a vision that I was like ascending. The message was spread a veil of love over the world. And I was like ascending and I looked down at the earth and people were fighting each other and hitting each other. And so I I get this veil and I just spread it over the earth. And as it falls and it lands, people like stop fighting and they're like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I was hitting you. Like they, they wake up from their hypnosis and it was so beautiful to see the healing that was happening. And so, you know, coming out of it, I'm like, well, do I have to die? Like, how do I really do it? How do I do this? How do I actually make this happen? And um, it wasn't actually until two years later where I got a, a total download in, in my integration the next day after ayahuasca. And one, I wrote a song, which my kids are the musicians, I am not, but they helped me choreograph these lyrics, which is Human Essence um, is the name of the song and it describes human essence. But what it gave me also was this t-shirt company. So it's Light Warriors Inc., And it's not um, about the t-shirt. It's about the gift of giving. So basically you buy a t-shirt, you buy one to gift, 
Okay. There's an app and everything. I mean, I literally just jumped in on total faith. This is the app. Um, and, and I literally just trusted that I was meant to do it. Um, and, and just heard God's voice. So basically what you do when you buy a t-shirt to gift the person, there's a barcode on the sleeve, they scan it and they get to see a video from you saying that you gifted it. Now, when they receive it and they do that, you get a notification that your gift has been received. Okay. So we do 10 rounds of 1111. So basically, um, you're number 800. Okay. Somebody who's gift the gift forward. So you're in Australia, right? So now you open up your gift and 799 people are going to get a notification on their phone that says the gift has now been paid forward and where it's at in the world. Oh my gosh. So we start to see this light ignite all over the world. And, and we do 10 rounds of 1111 when we do that. And we get, that's 11,110 people. We have a global ceremony where we come together in a stadium and we do the most epic sound healing ever, where we sing this song at 1111 all around the world. So people that can come, can come, but people who can't will stream it and they'll do a gathering in their own communities so that we're all coming together. And that's how I spread this veil of love over the world. So, and if you think about it scientifically, you know, Joe Dispenza, so you know, heart coherence. And so um, if you think about it scientifically, when you receive a gift, you are in a frequency of love, gratitude, appreciation, right? So your heart is, your heart rate variability is now in a, in a beautiful coherent state, right? So dopamine drips. So our mind drips dopamine, our heart expands. So energetically, we are spreading this energy of love over the world. The more we gift the gift forward. And it's um, that's the concept of this t-shirt company. It was going to be Kindfulness Apparel. And I went with Light Warriors Inc. because I believe in the Light Warriors dynamic. I want to create a world where instead of Range Rover on the back of a, of a car, it says Light Warrior. Why? Because I feel like we need to recognize each other. We need to know we're not alone. And we need to start like, oh, I like it. Like when you see somebody that says be kind on their shirt, you think about them differently already, right? Because they bought that shirt. So if we start to spread this around the world and we start to see it more and more, we start to recognize that we are winning this freaking race, the spiritual battle that we're in. And we start to feel that expansion in our own hearts so that we start to shift the frequency of our world from the density that is, it is right now. Well, and I think that's so beautiful because, you know, you, you know, you can talk, I would love for you to talk on this. It's like, what is the difference truly of like doing your business and living your purpose? Because you have a business, right? But that connection of your purpose, like that is, that's so beautiful. And like, I know, um, I, on our, <clears throat> on the thing where we connected, I actually saw that at the very bottom where you said there's the difference between the, doing your business and living your purpose. Cause I think so many people get stuck on like, well, I have to make money at doing this. And then it's like their purpose is their side hustle. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would love if you like went more in on that for our audience to really understand that, like they can connect and like flow. Absolutely. Well, I believe that we are all here to serve each other. If you think of any business, it's a service you're providing. And I believe wealth follows service. Sometimes we think I have to do the thing to pay my bills. So my purpose takes a back seat. And I can tell you that if you find purpose in what you do, wealth will follow you because your alignment is differently. Now, when you have to sell something, like sell used to be a four-letter word to me. It is no longer that because I understand that what I'm doing, there has to be an energetic transaction, right? It's just an exchange. It's not, people aren't transactions, but the exchange is energetic exchange. That's all money is. So if I'm connected to serving somebody, if I sell widgets to freaking build airplanes, I know that these widgets are a must for the safety of the people within it. And I'm going to connect to knowing that my job in welding these widgets is creating safety for the people that are going to go visit their families, whatever. Like you can connect to that. And when you do, first of all, you are showing up differently, right? You are now seeing purpose in what you do. Now, that doesn't mean that that is your purpose, but if you find purpose within what you do, eventually you're, you'll start to live from that open-hearted space and that purpose will come to you. You'll recognize you love serving people. You love giving back. 
versus punching in a clock and hating what you do. If you are sitting at a J-O-B, then you need to check in, check with yourself. What is it are you really doing and how can you connect it to being purposeful and serving humanity? Because I believe we all do. We've just forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and if anybody doesn't know want, or wants an example of how powerful frequency is, and I have never said the words light warrior in Ever. my life. No, never. And then I was picking up <laughs> on your frequency. So again, this, but that's how powerful being in an energetic exchange is. You mm-hmm. are kept, you are picking up codes. You are picking up frequencies from that person. And like, you know, we see 1% of what's actually going on, right? 99% of light and everything. We can't even comprehend with our brains or our bodies. So it's like, I I just wanted to point that out when you say things like that, because it's frequency is so it's happening all the time. And people do not realize that you're in an energetic exchange. And if you really open up, you're seeing that person clearly through your heart center. It's not through your eyes. And it's, I love that that entire thing just happened because it proves it Spencer's work and everything. I was like, why do we need to say the word light warrior? Yeah. It was just like coming out. So totally. it, when you said that, I was like, floor. I know you, and I, yeah. I know you like touch it. And I was like, oh, that was, and I'm so glad that you explained that. And that we had this moment because we have to realize how profound energy exchange is and people you know, it, it, it happens all the time. And that moment will, I mean, the moment that just happened will always be profound to me, even because I was like, I don't why I need to say this. Um, and it's so important. I think I, I think Tony Robbins said it, your life is in direct proportion to the expectation of your peer group. So be mindful of who you are around, right? Like if you, if you hang around five people that are obese, you will be the sixth. Right. If you hang around people that, you know, are doing drugs, you will be the six. If you hang around athletes or people that are going to the gym every day, you will be the six. So be mindful of who you choose in your inner circle. Right. And, and recognize what that, because otherwise we have to be the gatekeepers of our mindset because otherwise it gets infiltrated by so much information. And now with the media or social media and the internet, there's so much out there. We don't even know which way's up anymore. So one of the biggest things, and I love that you said that about energetic exchange is, you know, meditation, being in stillness, connecting to your inner knowing, your intuitive guidance, what is going on in there? What is your truth? Your truth will never let you down. And another uh, great book that I absolutely love, which is called The Gift of the Body by Jonathan Goldman. And he talks about the energetic systems in the body. So Dr. Joe Dispenza calls it the energetic systems. Other people call it the chakras. Whatever you name it, we have these energetic fields. If you are going to make a decision from desire, right? From your sacral uh, chakra, sift it through the heart. And you you won't go wrong because your heart will never allow you to hurt another. If you do it just from the sacral and desire, you might sleep with someone that's married right? Because your desire says, I want that. Wow. Right. That's powerful. No, it's, it's, I mean, it really, I've never thought of it like that, but that really is when they're not, it's no different than like when, uh, Dr. Joe and like several like Tao ancient Taoist books talk about the power of the mind and the heart, right? Like we're so in our head all the time and we don't spend a lot of time in the heart, but when you connect the heart and the sacral, which is, I mean, that's like pure divinity. Like when Mm -hmm. you connect those two, it's so powerful. And like, yeah, when they're not, oh, wow. Well, like, your body reacts. This is German yeah. new medicine, right? It's like the the conflicts in the body yeah. when you're getting sick, you're moving through something. And I don't, you know, I, the whole germ theory started to break down for me when I started, you know, understanding and researching the chakras. Cause I've been a yoga teacher for 10 years and you'll see, you know, people that have really big blocks in their heart chakras, they get bronchitis over and over and over again. And then, you know, people that are not sleeping with people, um, that are in alignment with the intimacy and the love that their soul needs, you know, they're getting issues in their, um, you know, female parts or whatever, because there's a conflict in the chakras, there's a conflict in the body in a field, you know, of course, Western medicine doesn't want us to know that, you know, as below, so above, like your body's trying to tell you something. And, you know, I, I I've had this happen to me and I believe in it 150% because you know, something kept happening to me over and over and over again when I was trying to make something work with a guy that I shouldn't have. And I was like, what is going on? 
And then, I, but I knew he was being dishonest. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, we were seeing each other for a year and his girlfriend shows up on the doorstep and they're polyamorous. And I'm like, my body was trying to tell me this. I knew, I knew that there was something wrong in my heart, but my brain was like, well, he's saying all the right things and doing all the right things. But in my gut, in my heart, which, you know, gut, second brain, I knew. So when she showed up, I was like, I am not shocked. My body knew this, the nervous system and the chakras are so much more intelligent, but what Jesse is saying is absolutely correct. If you run anything through your heart, the heart knows truth. And it also reads energy. It's where, you know, like energetic fields come in through and you're, you're, it, no one can lie to you. If you're in your heart, mm -hmm. you can't lie to yourself. It's yeah, and the heart is developed before the brain. Yep. So think about it. It is, it is literally our closest connection to divinity. Yeah. Right. It's the, the thing that gives us life. So yeah. how do we not trust it? You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I did a whole thing uh, when I became a trainer for heart math on intuitive business decisions. Ooh. And what's interesting is that when you do the research to your point, you, they talk about, you know, society or whatever, like there are articles that totally say it's stupid. Mm -hmm. And there are articles like from Branson, um, you know, uh, that basically says I would never do business without it. And, and, and the different stories of when they made a decision from intuitive guidance that made zero logical sense, <laughs> but so ended up being the best decision. It, it, it is. It is true. Like when you're truly in your heart center and things come up and you just go with it and you like, but your, your mind, your logical mind fights it so hard. I mean, it's the narrative of like, well, this doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. All the, you know, all the chitter chatter in your heart is like, nope, I know best. Like, listen to me. You know, I, I am the truth. Um, it's well, and our heart, our hearts are literally what has us do the unmentionable and the impossible, right? Yeah. It's what has to stay at home. Mom lift the Volkswagen off a child. It's not because she thought about it, right? If she thought about it, you go, well, that car's too heavy. Sorry, kid. Right. But her heart says, oh, my God, that child. And then she does this thing that would be impossible. People are like, hey, did you realize you just lifted a car? She's like, I don't know about that. But how is that child? You know what I mean? Like that. That's that's the miracle. Right. That's and that's a, a heart. Like as leaders, we have to listen and pay attention to that because we don't wait for permission to step into the unknown and to do the uncommon. And when we're connected to that heart space, we're going to go places that people might think you're crazy for going. But that kind of conviction and that kind of knowingness is the thing that will create the impossible. Well, and it's that trust, truly the trust of the unknown, the uncommon, the impossible. Like those that that trust is so deep in everybody. We've just been taught to not trust. That's right. That's where everybody pumps the brakes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people say, you know, life begins on the end of your comfort zone. You got to be willing to stretch yourself. If you're not growing, you are dying. So where is your comfort level and what are you willing to do? I would say one of the things that, that got me to where I am today was I was so scared. And again, because I was so kept, I looked down at the ground. I didn't know, I didn't know how to live life. I remember asking some of my family members, do you know like what my favorite color is? And I know you don't, cause I don't, I have no idea who I am. And so one of the ways that I did that was I put things that scared me in front of me. If I was scared of it, I, I do it because I had to break away from constantly living in this fear. Uh, I was imprisoned by it. So I would do things that terrified me doing a, a fitness competition, freaking, I had all kinds of stuff about my body because of my dad's abuse and my husband wanting a trophy wife. Like I had no love for, for who I was. And people ask, well, so what did you place? I'm like, I didn't do it to place. I did it just to walk on the stage because I knew I was going to be judged. And I knew it was just so terrifying to me. You know, I took an improv class. I took an acting class, like just because it scared the crap out of me, you know? Um, but improv is, is, was one of the greatest things I did because there's no wrong in improv. You basically get given a story. I woke up this morning and had toast. Jesse, take it. Um, I threw the football through the window and it broke, you know, and, you know, my neighbor caught it. And then my neighbor decided to go to the bathroom. I mean, like, literally, there's no freaking wrong. You just make it up as you go. And it totally got me out of my shell of just being introverted and not, you know, so just so many things like don't look at challenges as a pain in the butt. Look at it as your divine contract with God, your creator that said, you know what, God, I need to help 
the world. And so I'm going to need to know how to build muscle around the thing. So if you, let's say you want to help um, women heal their hormones, you say, okay, God, you know what? I want to help women because they're like suffering and blah, blah. Okay, great. But here's the thing. If you are going to help women at the level, I believe you can, you're going to have to know the suck. So are you up for that? Right. And it's just like, oh man, that's going to hurt God, but sign me up. I'm your gal. You go through it. And now you come out the other side. And I think people that have been through stuff have a PhD in experience. The school of hard knocks is what our, it's a real thing. It's, it's powerful because you can be, and this is what also our society needs to change is the thought that just because you've gone to college and you're educated in something, I actually prefer to work with people that have been through it because they embody it versus just can speak to it. It's, it's, um, and exactly. we had a very wise acupuncturist man tell us, he was like this divine creature. And he's like, you, and these words will stick with me the rest of my life. He goes, you cannot teach anybody anything that you haven't embodied. It will never download. And I was like, what? Facts. Yeah. Well, yeah, reading well, how to climb Mount Everest and actually climbing it are two different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I agree with that. Um, yeah. Very, very true. Yeah, it's so, you know, this, and I think that's a lot of what we're moving into. And that's why coaching is becoming so big uh, is because when you've walked the walk, you can talk the talk, you can give people that light, that energy. Again, we're talking about frequency exchange. You know, if you're in a world of suffering and you've been through something very, very traumatic get a friend that has walked through it. And, and eventually it's exactly what you were saying. You will walk through it too. You will find your light. You will find the embodiment because if they're on the path to finding their purpose and their light and all of these things, you can't help it because it's a frequency exchange. It's just the coherence healing, all the things that are happening in the spiritual community. It's, it's proving you are who you hang out with. You are who you open your heart to you are, you know, if you don't deal with your traumas, you're going to see them in your relationships. You're going to see them like, uh, you know, it was always interesting to me that people blame. It's like, why does the world keep doing this to me? And I'm like, if it happens to you once, okay, maybe it's the other person. If it happens to you twice, start to look at things. If it happens to you in a third time, it's you. And you better be happy that it's you because if it's the rest of the world, you're screwed because you can change (laughs) you. You cannot change everybody else. Well, and and the thing with blaming is you have to blame effectively. Like, If you're going to blame, if I'm going to blame my father for all my inhibitions, I'm also going to blame him for creating such a freaking resourceful, creative, brave girl. Yes. Because that, that it created that too. So if you're going to blame, then you you need to blame both ways, right? It's like people, I tell them that with what if, right? They're like, well, what if I don't succeed at this thing? And what if I fail? And what if I screw it up? I'm like, what if you don't like either way you're right you're fueling the story. You're making it up in your head. What if you don't succeed? What if you do? Because both are available. What's wrong is always available, but so is what's right. So you get to choose like Joe Dispenza. What are you going to fuel? Are you going to send energy to that with which you want? Or are you going to continue to send energy to what you don't want? It's like, I heard somebody say, I don't remember who it was, but they said, worry is like praying for what you don't want. And it's so true because it's like, all you're doing is sending energy to the thing you don't want versus sitting right now and saying, I'm going to create my future because in as much as all my energy is focused on my past, I bring it to the present. So now I repeat everything my past happens. So my past is not happening anymore. It's in the past, but my, my energy is bringing it to the present. So then I recreate it, right? So if that's true, the future hasn't happened yet. But if I send all my energy there, I can also bring it to my present as well. We are the creators and we've just forgotten. And that's why I think conscious awareness of where our thoughts are going is the most magical thing you can have. Stop, listen, what's going on? Who's doing the talking? Is it the most powerful part of you, the superhero, the one who defies the odds, the one who does the unmentionable in moments that are tough? Or is it the one that's scared? The one that thinks it's keeping you safe? Check in with yourself because we all have that part. We all need to know when the bear is coming. I get it. But that sabotaging voice thinks the bear is always coming and will keep you sedentary, stop dead in your tracks versus accessing the superhero that will always have you do what's next. Well, and I think that that is such an important thing to say is like being in that present, that 
present moment. I was listening to something yesterday and they were talking about humans live 99% of their life in their subconscious. They don't even know what's actually happening. Like it's so much programming that they're, they're 1% of their day is in that present moment, which is fascinating because that's so much in the past, right? That's all that programming. And when we stop and we sit down and we slow down, we then create our future. And I think that's so important. You know, the way that you just did that beautiful metaphor of like bringing one into, you know, it's so, it's so true because we really have unlimited power within ourselves. Well, we think we've lost that control because of what happened to us and it's just not right. I believe there's no limitation to the human being except the belief that there is one. That's it. It's true. That's it. So how do we change our beliefs to empower ourselves to be the superhero in our lives? Yes. And be a true light warrior. That's right. Yes. Well, Jesse, this has been amazing beyond words. Um, Thank you so much for your time and just everything again, what you're doing and what the energy you're putting out and it's just, uh, it's just a, a breath of fresh air for us and everyone that's listening, I'm sure that can relate to us. And of course I will be putting all of the things we mentioned, um, going back through with all the books and your app in regards to your t-shirt company so that people can, if they want to jump on board, because it's powerful, you know, that veil that you talked about is so powerful in that even though people have may not have had that same experience that you had, they can still be a part of such a powerful thing in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we're all going to unite one day. Absolutely. So thank you again and have a great rest of your afternoon. Thank you so much. Appreciate you too. And make sure that you follow us at synchronicity underscore sisters on Instagram, along with synchronicity222 on Instagram. That's our business page. It's a little more professional. And then, of course, please subscribe to us on Spotify. We are on all major platforms. And then, of course, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and review the show for that. Other people that are out there searching for a new podcast to listen to. We hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you guys all soon.